This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over 15 years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com auctions and check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 173 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. And I talked about social media there. I have to admit, I've been a bit of an intermittent social media user this week. I just got back to Florida late last night, and as you can see from the title, it's been a pretty busy week. And I'll talk all about that in today's main segment, so you want to make sure to stay tuned for that. I'm not sure I missed a lot on social media, though, to be honest. And don't get me wrong, this is not an anti-social media thing. Um, I think it has a lot of productive uses, but it's just that hobby social media is in a peculiar place right now. You know, of course, there's the usual amount of theater the usual amount of hype, you know. Every auction house is promoting the, ne- the most important piece to ever come through their doors until another piece seemingly trumps that the next week. Uh, I've seen people antagonizing one another when it comes to sports cards and uh, crypto. You know, this comes on the heels of the great sports cards versus stock market debate. You know, all of a sudden, we've got experts on recessions, and that's all good and well if that's what you want to talk about, you know, and you're not hurting anyone. I I know a lot of it's just joking, but some of you are getting a little worked up. I guess that really shouldn't be a shock when it comes to anything related to social media. So I I just wanted to carve a little time out at the top of this show real quick to remind everyone that this is still a hobby. Relax. Take a breath. Post a picture of your favorite card. Tell the story of how you got it. Or, you know, repost one of your friend's favorite cards. Repost someone else's card that you're jealous about. Make them feel good. At the end of the day, uh, social media is still one of the most practical tools we have at our disposal in this great hobby, so please, let's just try to make it an enjoyable and useful space for everyone involved. Okay, so speaking of social media, and speaking of antagonists, this past week, a fellow podcast host, really um, a nemesis of mine, uh, reached out to me with a desperate plea for help. And truth be told, since he sounded all, you know, weak and vulnerable, I decided to oblige. So enjoy this week's installment of Collector Classifieds. Hey Kyle, this is Ricky. That's right, Mr. eBay from the Pack to the Future podcast. I need your and Wax Museum Nation's help. Growing up here in Salt Lake in the 80s and 90s, there were two jazz players that dominated the hearts of most children. Carl Malone and John Stockton. But not this guy. No. I chose the better Malone to cheer for. That's right, I chose Jeff Malone as my all-time favorite jazz man. This didn't give me a ton to collect in the hobby uh, growing up. Until 2020-2021 Prism Basketball. They released autographed cards of my favorite jazz man 
albeit in a Bullets uniform. And as soon as this card released, I went out and got my hands on every version of this card I could. I've inadvertently created or began chasing my first ever rainbow, as you can tell. What am I missing? I need a 2020-2021 one-of-one black Panini Prism basketball Jeff Malone autographed card. You can find us on our Instagram at Pack to the Future Podcast. Kyle, please help. You heard the man. He's looking for that one-of-one Prism auto of Jeff Malone. Uh, it's one of those cards that no one would dare flex on social media, but I have a feeling it's out there somewhere. So if you own this or have even the smallest lead for where it might be, make sure to shoot Ricky and the Pack to the Future guys a message. And while we're at it, make sure to tune into a new episode of their show every Saturday morning. Chances are you can find that on whatever podcast platform you use to find the show that you're listening to right now. So that's every Saturday morning, Pack to the Future podcast. All right, before I move into today's main segment, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey everybody, Boston Steve here, the Northeast Correspondent, checking in from the city of a winning basketball team, and you are listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, so this past week I completed the first leg of what I've coined my National Replacement Tour. Those of you that listen on a regular basis, you know that I decided to forego my normal national trip this year because the logistics were just messy to say the least. So instead of going to Atlantic City... I decided to go two places. Number one, I was going to go to Indiana to the Midwest Monster Show, which is in June. That was last week. And then next month, I'll be headed to the Dallas Card Show. Um, So I'm looking forward to that second leg as well. As for this first week, that's what I'm going to recap today. I did all sorts of fun things there. You know, I went to different restaurants I hadn't been to. I spent time with family. I went to places that I'd never been to. So that was a lot of fun. I'm going to try not to bore you with all the other details, though, even though just know I had a great time, but I want to restrict this to just hobby-related stuff or basketball-related stuff, and those activities really started on Friday when I met up with Steve, a.k.a. Vintage Pacers, who you heard from on this show not too long ago. Um, Steve and I have, have traded with one another and chatted with one another for years now, but never in person, so we planned to ride together to this Midwest Monster Show and, um, you know, on the way, we made a slight detour to a Taco Bell so we could grab a bite to eat and we could swap some cards out. You know, that only seemed right. Um, yes, I did get the steak quesadilla, but no, you did not get the typical steakhouse pictures that you might find on social media. Um, but, you know, all jokes aside here, I've alluded to our trade a couple times on social media in past weeks, but I've never given any specifics. So I want to talk a little bit about that because that was um, a really exciting part of this trip for me. So as you guys know, I PC Ron Artest stuff, specifically in a Pacers uniform. And Steve has had a Ron Artest card that's been on my radar for a long time. It's a 2005-2006 Upper Deck Trilogy Trimarks triple autograph card of Ron Artest, Danny Granger, and Sarunas Yesikavages. 
So um, this is a, a really nice looking acetate card. You know, you maybe have never even seen one from the set because um, it's just not, a, at least me, it's, it's a set that I don't see a lot. You know, maybe you do, but uh, maybe I don't see it because I'm only looking for this one specific copy. But anyway, I don't see this card out there a whole lot. Um, so all three autos are on card and it's limited to 40 copies. And I think there might also be a parallel number to 10, uh, but either way, there just aren't enough of these to go around. So I've waited and waited and waited for one of these to show up because, you know, I, I would much rather just buy it. That way Steve can keep his copy. I can get a copy. Um, you know, sometimes it's easier to come up with cash than it is to come up with assets because people that have rare stuff will want assets more so than cash. So um, I waited and waited and waited, but I haven't seen one of these in over five years. So before I flew up, you know, I thought this might be a good opportunity to see if, if Steve was willing to trade it. So I said, hey, what are the odds of you moving that card? And I knew he wasn't actively looking to move it. And I didn't want to twist his arm. I didn't want to make him feel, you know, obligated to do that. But at the same time, I knew I had some stuff that he might want. So, hey, you know, let's start the conversation. Let's see where it goes. If it goes nowhere, no big deal. Well, he looked through my flicker and he found a pair of Danny Granger cards that he liked. One of them was a UD Black Patch Auto number to 15. And the other was a Panini um, Season Update, Season's Best Relic that featured a piece of a um, Mel Simon tribute patch. He was one of the owners of the Pacers. They did a patch for him when he died. I've talked about that card before. I actually have two of them, but um, you know, it, it felt like having one card. I liked having the pieces together. I wanted to, you know, to hoard them, to be honest. So there were three cards on the table between the two of us. We didn't really know current values for any of them. And I said, hey, you know, what do you think is fair? Um, he said, well, you know, would you trade both patches for the triple auto? Um, so I tried not to overthink it. It more or less came down to this. Do I, you know, do I really want this triple auto? Yes. Am I okay parting with these other two cards, knowing they're going to a really good friend in the process? Yes. You know, if this Ron Artest trio comes up, am I likely to have to spend a lot of money on it? Yes. So I agreed to the deal. You know, I didn't try and overthink it. Uh, I'm not too worried about who got the better in. In fact, I think it was fair. And now that I have the card in hand, I'm really happy we could make it happen. From there, it was on to the Best Choice Fieldhouse for this Midwest Monster Show. And when I started planning this trip, I, I knew this was a 350-table show. But the closer we got to the event, the more it seemed um, like it was growing. And not necessarily the tables. They didn't add any more tables. But the quality of, of vendors and the quality of um, cards from people that said they were going to be setting up there was... Uh, impressive to say the least. So um, it certainly felt like a bigger show going in than I had originally planned. And, and that was a great feeling. You know, it, it, it made me feel like I made a, a very good decision aside from even being able to see family and all that other stuff that I wanted to do. Um, now, with that being said, I didn't know anything about the venue. And there was a little bit of a walk after you parked your car. Um, if anyone really needed assistance, they offered a golf cart shuttle. But uh, And we ended up taking that at the end of the day when things had slowed down and they had plenty of room. But the venue itself is really designed for basketball games. So there are four basketball courts inside with a concession stand and a bathroom area in the middle. And they also had metal bleachers set up in different spots. I thought that might come in handy because a lot of shows don't have a lot of seating from my experience. And um, really, I didn't see a lot of people sitting, though. And it seemed like they got more in the way than they did anything else. 
um, just because it, you know, they were big bleachers and kind of right by an aisle way. Um, so I don't know if, if they necessarily need that in the future, but the idea was good. And overall, I would say the venue worked pretty well. Um, I'm curious to know what the dealers thought about the setup, but from a buying perspective, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I really had just three main reasons for going to this show. Number one, I wanted to meet up and hang out with people I know from the hobby. Uh, number two, I hoped to find some nice PC cards. And then number three, I just wanted to look at nice cards in general. And when all was said and done, I, I feel like I accomplished all three of those goals to some extent. And it started pretty much right after we walked in. As we had talked about in our conversation on here, Steve had never been to a card show before. So my advice to him then was, you know, hey, we should try and pick a strategy. If the room ends up being one big rectangle, we should look at the perimeter and then try and do the inner parts. Well, you know, as I told you, this was four basketball courts, so it was really more like four rectangles. So I suggested, hey, let's knock out the tables in sections. You know, let's do one quad, make sure we hit everything, then move on to the next one and so on and so on. Well, knowing that we would probably get sidetracked along the way, um, which we did, uh, that's definitely something that uh, happens to me a lot. And there's there's nothing wrong with that, but at least get, that gives you a general plan to go with. So uh, we ended up at a, uh, oddly enough, a, a Florida dealer's table pretty early on. And it's a bigger, um, a bigger name. And, uh, you know, I wasn't too concerned about getting to that table because I figured I'd seen some of this stuff before. Well, you know, I should have known they're turning inventory constantly. So there was new stuff there and stuff that I certainly hadn't seen. And Steve picked up on one real quick that he thought I would like. It was a nice, flawless John Havlicek patch numbered to 10. And it looked like the letter C from Celtics. So um, I ended up buying that. Now, I was a little worried about spending a decent amount of money so early in the show. But a lot of that kind of stuff, you just buy it when you see it. And I, I showed it to a couple people later on, and they said that they would have bought it as well. One of them even offered me over double what I paid, so I feel like I made a good choice. And yes, I did. Uh, even when he offered me that, I kept the card because it was one that I was wanting for my PC. Um, it wasn't too long after that that we saw some Cons Wieners cards, which was surprising to me because that was more of a regional food release in the late 50s and early 60s. I see the baseball ones from time to time, but I never see the basketball ones. So that was the first time, um, you know, I'd seen those at a show and I thought, hey, I'm feeling pretty good about what we're seeing here early on. Um, that means I'm, I'm probably going to find a lot of stuff, which is also why I was a little worried about spending all that cash at the start. And then I even bought a football card at the start of the show here, a Tom Brady relic that someone had jammed in. They had it in like one of those hinge cases instead of a top loader. And then it was a box just jammed full of those hinge cases that was really hard to look through. So I'm guessing that's how I got to it. You know, people just didn't want to actually go through that box. And they only wanted 15 bucks for it. So that was a no-brainer to me. Um, speaking of which, I should say, I've seen people come back from shows and say, not necessarily this one, but just shows in general and say, oh, there were no deals to be found. And um, if it's a bigger show like this one, I find that that's hard to believe. You just have to look in every single box. And believe it or not, in some cases, some of these dealers have no clue what they really have, or maybe they bought in so low, they don't really care. But here's another example that did come from this show. Um, I met up with one of the indie guys that I messaged some on Twitter, and he told me that he found a Todd McCullough 101 masterpiece at this Midwest Monster Show in a $5 box. And I asked, you know, I said, hey, well, let me see it. Um, and he had to show a picture on the phone instead because he had already moved it for a considerable profit. 
Um, I feel like those purple masterpieces stick out quite a bit, and a dealer would uh, and should notice it, but I guess you never really know. So long story short, if you're going to a card show anytime soon, be thorough. There are still deals to be had. Okay, so one of the purposes of my visit that I mentioned involved meeting up with people. Toward the end of our first hour at the show, I had a fun little string of interactions um, I know I saw Brett from Stacking Slabs and his brother, McGrath Cards, so that was nice. Um, I'd already met Brett, but it was nice kind of running into his brother as well. Um, and then I stumbled upon the Dropping Dimes Foundation table. And I had a feeling that they might be there, but I didn't know for sure. Well, sure enough, they were. And Scott Tarter was manning the booth in his Where is John Brisker shirt. You might remember Scott from episode 155. So we chatted for a little while, and it was nice to catch up in person. I told him, you know, I'm surprised that they didn't have some of the former ABA players as autograph guests, and he mentioned that Darnell Hillman and Dave Robish might be at their table later to help support their cause. So I kind of kept that in mind, and around that time then, I got a call from um, a friend of mine on Instagram who I'd sold a, um, I'd sold him a card and we'd planned to meet up at the show in person so that we could swap it out. He was at the front of the show and I chatted with, with him for a while, and lo and behold, I look up. And Dave Robish is walking in. Now, I know Dave Robish isn't a huge name. Um, I'd never actually met him before, but he was a part of the 72 top set that I had worked hard to get signed. Um, and I so I sent a card to him in the mail in the past, and he was nice enough to sign it. He was an ABA guy, so that was kind of a big deal for, for me to run into him. And, um, you know, after I kind of introduced myself, he looked super confused about where he was supposed to go. So I just said, hey... I'm pretty sure I know where you're supposed to go. You're looking for Scott Tarter, right? And he was, so I point him in the right direction, and, and we got him where he needed to be. But from there, Steve and I continued to make our way around the room. Uh, we met up with some more people we knew from Instagram, and they told us that they had found some Reggie Miller cards that we needed to watch out for. Um, and I was really hoping that I'd find some nice Pacer stuff at this show and I even expected to pay a hefty premium for it, but there really wasn't that much there. It was just a lot of like low-end, you know, Halliburton, Sabonis, those kind of guys. Um, so there wasn't even a lot of Reggie Miller. And then the few things that were there were, yes, you know, they were overpriced. So anyway, anytime I hear that there are cards, though, even if I think they're going to be overpriced, hey, let me go and look at them, and then, you know, we'll we'll handle the situation from there, whatever it is. So we find this table... This guy's got a few cards at the top of his showcase. A flawless patch auto, an early upper deck game jersey, um, but not a lot of stuff in there and really nothing that I'm going for. So I asked him if he had any other Reggie stuff and he said, well, you know, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for patches. Yeah, I don't think I have a lot of that. Well, you know, what else do you have? He kind of hinted at the fact that he had some, but um, he wasn't really saying. So I, I talked with him a little more and I kind of twisted his arm a bit, and eventually he pulled out an entire Zion case full of Reggie stuff, uh, which I, you know, I had been told that he had, but um, I was trying to get him to voluntarily put that case up there, and then we could go from there. So, uh, and it was, it was loaded. The nicest one in there was a, a 2003-2004 exquisite scripted swatches, but it was a gold patch. I'd never seen one of those before. Everyone I've seen is blue. So, um, I knew I wasn't going to wrestle anything like that from him, nor did I have the funds to do so. So I, I just said, hey, can I look through this? And, um, you know, maybe there's something in here. Maybe we can initiate a conversation. So I grabbed a couple of small items to see if we could work something out. 
The first one was a um, 0304 Tops Pristine Gold Refractor numbered 99 of 99. And then the second one was a 9394 Finest Refractor, one of the two. And um, so I, I just put those two aside and said, hey, what about these two? And he, you know, he seriously considered them. He looked to see in his case, because he really liked PSA 10 stuff, he said, you know, if I had a PSA 10 copy of the gold, um, I would have moved it for sure. But he he didn't have that one. So we only made a deal for the finest, but um, that's one I've looked at on eBay a bunch. And uh, it, it's hard to tell. People list those as refractors and they're not, or some of them are just like, you know, they look like the Incredible Hulk. Um, this one had minimal greening and he sold it to me for 40 bucks, which was pretty fair. So I was happy about that. At least I got a Reggie card. Um, all right, so that was purchase number three. And believe it or not, which, you know, it's kind of hard for me to believe this as well, but that's really about all I came home with when it comes to purchases, um, with the exception of, I think, you know, another cheaper refractor that I got in a deal, which I'm probably going to send to Com C. And that's a good opportunity to take a quick break here and remind you that Check Out My Cards is a sponsor of this show. And ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all types of trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 28 million cards across all sports genres and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. For more info, you can check them out on social media under the handle at Check Out My Cards. All right, so we were at the show from about uh, noon to 6 p.m. We kind of had a breeze through the last wing, and you know I definitely could have spent two days at this show digging through boxes, but my transportation options were kind of limited. And um, they also had a trade night not too far away from 8 to midnight, so we didn't get to go to that one either, but um, I definitely plan to do that in Dallas when I'm staying you know, at the actual convention site, so that should be pretty convenient. Because I think, you know, trade nights are an awesome way and a great opportunity to help grow your PC. I would highly recommend those. All right, before I move on and talk about the Fever game, I want to give my overall impressions of the show. Uh, I talked about the venue earlier, so I'm not going to repeat all of that. But I've had a couple people ask me about pricing. And, you know, you guys, you've seen now the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. I'm not looking for super liquid stuff. Uh, In fact, that Reggie Finest Refractor was probably one of the most liquid cards that I've, I've looked for or purchased in a while. Um, as I mentioned, I figured the Pacer stuff for the Reggie stuff would be high. I know Steve was looking at some Joey Votto stuff, and, and he found a few nice pieces that he felt were priced about right. Also, there were enough dealers there that are known on a national level that price their stuff appropriately. So take that for what you will. You know, I can't speak for everyone, but it gives me the impression that prices weren't all that bad. Um, there were... Um, some athlete signings that were scheduled to take place at this show. So one of them was former Hornet and Nick Larry Johnson. And then the other one was Colts player Kenny Moore. Larry Johnson ended up getting COVID at the last minute, so he didn't show. I mean, that's out of their control. You know, you can't blame them for that. Um, And then as I mentioned earlier, I think it's unfortunate that they didn't have some of the former Pacers there. That would have been a great opportunity and a pretty easy opportunity to help make some money for the Dropping Dimes Foundation uh, I know I would have paid quite a bit for George McGinnis, especially. Um, but, you know, maybe next time. Maybe next time. I, I talked to Scott about it. And he indicated, you know, maybe maybe in the future. Um, 
Now, the same time this show was going on, the Chicago Sports Spectacular was taking place not far away. Uh, It had started a day earlier, and I'd heard from a few dealers that people were actually leaving that show to try and get to Fishers in time for the rest of the Midwest Monster. And looking at social media, I think they were right. I saw several people talking about making that adjustment. And uh, seeing as the Chicago show is somewhat of a staple in the regional or you know the, the national card show scene, it was a bit of a shock. So kudos to the guys at Any Card Exchange and J&J All-Stars for creating a great event and, and building it seemingly from scratch. I've heard that this Midwest Monster Show is going to happen again in the fall, and I won't be able to make that trip, but if it happens again and the stars align and I can go for relatively cheap, I'd love to come back. Um, I thought it was a great show. I thought, you know, really, it seemed like an established show that had been there for a while to me, and and really it wasn't. So um, all in all, just a a great experience. Okay, so while I would say that the card show was the main event of my trip, I still had one more basketball-related activity lined up. On Sunday, I went to my first WNBA game. And I'll be honest, in the past, you know, I, I really didn't want anything to do with this league Uh, But I started watching last season, and um, I wish I'd started a little sooner because it's been a lot of fun. So when I looked at the schedule, and, you know, of course there's no NBA games right now, so I thought, hey, let me see a WNBA game. I saw that Candace Parker and the Chicago Sky would be in town, and that the game was being played at the old Fairgrounds Coliseum where the Pacers played their ABA games in the 70s. That was a no-brainer for me, so... Um, I figured we could take my nephew too. Maybe it was a lot easier than a Pacers game. And really the costs were minimal. My sister had a connection with the team and our tickets were free. We weren't courtside, but we were the second row in the stands. So they were awesome seats. Um, It was a small venue. Doesn't really seem like there was a bad seat in the house. Uh, Now, I mentioned being excited about Candace Parker and any Pacers history. Well, the experience failed on both fronts there. Candace Parker was out with an injury. And then there really wasn't anything that indicated this was a building that the Pacers had won titles in, save for maybe a poster at the front entrance. Regardless, this game went down to the wire, and uh, it was the most exciting WNBA game I've ever watched. And and that is, of course, including TV, seen as this is my first game in person. But my sister and brother-in-law went with me, and, and they have you know very little interest in basketball, and even they were excited. So I told them that it's probably all downhill from here if they ever wanted to go to another game in the future. But anyway, I don't have much more to say about that. Just know that uh, it was a great way to end an already great trip. All right, well, there you have it. Uh, As you can tell, I had quite the week. And now it's time to relax a little bit and to recharge and nervously watch the NBA draft, which is the same day that this episode goes live. Uh, And remember, this was just part one of my national replacement tour. The second leg of the trip will be at the Dallas Card Show in July. I'm definitely going to be missing the National when I see all those posts and meetups on social media, but truth be told, I think this was the right decision for me. And I hope you enjoyed hearing about my adventures from the past week. I tried as best as possible to post some pictures from the trip on social media, so make sure to check those out if you haven't done so already. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Podcast. I'm also on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top, 
Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.